The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome once more to the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. I'm Justin Prince. Filling in this week is Marty Sakawa, along with our producer, Richard Cobreth, as plenty to discuss when it comes to the iRacing week as a whole, especially since it's a brand new build week, Marty, which means new content, new updates, including some happy accident ones. Well, Justin, first off, appreciate you having me on, filling in for Taylor this week. But yes, a lot of new stuff to talk about. Uh, if you're a short track fan, you love it. If you're a road racing fan, you definitely love it uh, overall. And a lot more updates as well to the user interface and as well as pit stops and restarts, a whole lot more. We'll go over it today. Lots to go over in turn indeed when it comes to the iRacing build. A few things to mention before we get to that respective news including some of the various action leading up to the week to touch upon. Sebastian Jump, for example, at the previous weekend, the Porsche JKR Esports Super Cup prior to that new build, picking up the top step of the podium on the streets of Long Beach, California. Previous Saturday, allowing himself to break in for victory on what was not an easy round in the first place. Job, keep in mind, though, led every single lap of the feature for Collins and Jordan Caruso, who kept the pressure up. Also, as note, once those at the front of the field in the event at Long Beach for the series, Cooper Webster, Johan Hart amongst the top five. Charlie Collins, in turn, leads the point standings over Jordan Caruso, 197 to 194. Sebastian Job tied for third with the defending champion, Diego Pinto. Or when it comes to the championship to be seen when the drivers hit the racetrack March the 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Right as the Yellow Stars hit the track, and then the pros at 3 p.m. That's at Circuit of the Americas, WBC and iRacing's social media platforms. That leads us straight into the iRacing build referred to, where it's an exciting build, to say the very least, especially if you're the fans of having a lot of the content, have more fixes, more updates, and in particular, in some communities, more horsepower. So let's start things off in turn with one of the major storylines, that being the late model stock, the newest form of short track racing back onto the platform. An upgrade to the old late model stock for the partnership of the Cars Tour. Yeah, I definitely love this uh, late model. I actually purchased this uh, over the weekend uh, when it first came out as well. You know, uh, Dale Jr. and uh, Kevin Harvick, Trackhouse, Jeff Burton purchased the Cars uh, late model stock tour. Uh, beginning in, a, I believe, uh, in a couple weeks from now. Uh, I can't remember their schedule, but this is pretty much for those who don't know the old uh, Hooters Pro Cup series. And uh, to see a series like that that's pretty much brought back to iRacing that was on Speed Channel in the past, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, when testing out uh, this ride, it kind of gives you the feeling of a street stock, but just a whole lot faster, you know. I could go into corners a little bit, 
uh, without having to use the brakes. Like I tested it on Lanier and uh, I was a fan of it. The, a big fan of how it steered, the big fan of uh, on and off throttle control and stuff like that. And 500 horsepower, you know, it's not a super late model, but I would absolutely take it. And a, and a bunch of the racetracks that I, I did some uh, prep on this, Justin, that the Cars Tour goes on, a bunch of short tracks are already on iRacing. Like you got Southern National Motorsports Park, the season opener to the Cars Tour. Then they also got Hickory, Langley, South Boston, and North Wilkesboro. Uh, I think if you're a short track fan, I, I, I would not be surprised if this is a more popular weekly series uh, compared to the street stocks, in my opinion, or even the super late models. And I think a, pro- a bunch of it probably has to do with, you know, Dale Jr. and the Sun Drop ride. Yeah, especially since the announcement when it was unveiled on the platform was at North Wilkesboro in that Sun Drop race car on the platform to show it off. And the major thing is, too, it you can argue much needed because... Even some of the drivers discussing right before his release to the platform mentioned the differences between the real-world counterpart today when it comes to a late model stock to what drivers had on the iRacing service with the now-retired Chevy SS. They said it was night and day. So a major change. Absolutely. I think it's a change that if you're a short track slash iRacing guy like... Dale Jr. is, or your Carson Quapple, or I, I don't know, a bunch of short track guys that are on iRacing. Maybe you could even count Roger Carruth in this because he's raced late models in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to definitely feel that real life, uh, real life counterpart. Like, I mean, I know Justin, you and I are not racers by day. We're just, I, we're just iRacing broadcasters and drivers by night. Um, but I think this is definitely going to be a huge stepping stone for the short track drivers. And even for those that want to get into late model racing, you know, late model racing is a big deal uh, down in the southeast. I mean, it's not it's not really a big deal for you and I that live in the northeast in Canada. But for the southeast eastern uh, late model drivers, uh, if you're racing a street stock at the moment or even carts and you want to move your way up into a late model this could be a good stepping stone. Get get your get your foot get your feet wet into the late model world. Give you a good idea of how to drive one. Once again, that in addition on the short track track side of the platform. Meanwhile, on the road side of the platform, another welcome sign for more of those looking to get starting on the platform for road course racing. The Renault Clio makes its debut on the service. The RSV, which is a part of the Clio Cup that Renault has, where it's an agile four-drive machine that carries the heritage of decades of single-make racing powered by Renault. Renault, keep in mind, a few years ago did take part in their own championship involving the former Renault series during the pandemic. Also, they've had some cars in the past on the platform. So the Clio, the first new Renault on iRacing in a long while, Marty. Yeah, and... Um... I remember as a kid before iRacing was a huge thing, I remember playing on Forza Motorsport 3 or Forza 2 or Forza 4. Uh, the Renault Clio, I believe, if I recall correctly, was on the game, and I loved driving it around tracks like Circuit de Catalonia or Silverstone, uh, any of the European tracks that were on Forza at the time. Now makes its way to iRacing. I haven't had a chance really to test it out yet with my busy schedule this week, but 
sequentially controlled. Five gears kind of gives you a next-gen-like feeling when it comes to shifting. This car, when I look at it initially, gives me that touring car-like feeling, like your Audis, like your Toyotas, amongst the notables uh, there. And uh, it's been driven by a lot of legendary drivers. You know, uh, Carlos Sainz, not Carlos Sainz Jr., uh, has driven it a lot in Renault, uh, as well as Jan Lammers, Jason Plato, uh, Kenny Brack have been driving uh, Renaults in the past. I would love to see a Renault rally car uh, if they still make those these days, um, or they don't. Uh, so pardon me if I uh, messed up on my uh, language there. But I am definitely looking forward to driving this, this time on a wheel over a controller. It'll be very fun indeed to see how drivers play out when it comes to that side of things. By the way, to answer your question, they just unveiled the Rally 3 just in okay. the past couple months. So okay, cool. Renault amongst those indeed in the Rally side. You're considering, I'm guessing you're thinking of like the R5 Turbo. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. In that regard too, a very much desired car also coming to the platform for open wheel racing is the Ray FF1600. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise when you think about it because this is the car that Max Esterston, Max Esterston runs in the Great Britain region in an iRacing-sponsored car. He had previously not had that car on the platform. Now iRacing has it on the platform. So Formula Ford to iRacing is part of the GP Championship that he's taking part in in 2023. I think this is going to be pretty cool too. You know, uh, whenever I've seen comments on iRacing road tracks, like even when there's new con, con uh, new tracks and new cars, new content that comes out on the servers, I see a bunch of requests for Formula Ford. And, you know, we kind of get some of the similarities, you know, with the Formula Vs that we've had for just about a year. But now with the Formula Ford on iRacing, I think this is going to be a lot of fun uh, to drive. Um, if I recall correctly, this is a car that's going to have a lot more power than a Formula V. Uh, it's got a lot of good characteristics too. you know, a 1.6 liter engine, a uh, lot of close racing, a lot of fun passing. Um, I think this is going to be a fun, you know, little beginner step uh, if you're new to iRace and you want to make your way up to the classes and you want to do open wheel racing uh, the Formula Ford is going to be your way to go once again this is the new modern day car which is a part of the GB3 championship Max Esterton for reference had been a strong contender throughout the campaign he actually in fact in the Formula Ford vintage car picked up a festival victory just last year as well Max Esterson, also somebody who comes from the iRacing world, coming up previously from Vendival Sim Racing, one of the larger teams on the road course side on the platform. Once again, for those wanting to see the real-world equivalent of that race car, they can see it on the racetrack starting in Olton Park on April 8th through 10th for the first three rounds of the GP3 Championship, once again at Olton Park. Getting back towards racetracks in particular, though, there is one new racetrack, one of the smart totals in the past while to hit the iRacing service in turn. That is the Circuit de Jerez Agno Nieto. It is the famous circuit that's posed to both the Spanish and European Grand Prix. Two configurations as part of its new iRacing debut. It's pretty cool to see this in here. And as an F1 fanatic, this is 
the track when uh, Jacques Villeneuve and Michael Schumacher had their battle entering the championship. Both of them collided, and uh, Jacques Villeneuve was able to survive and uh, win the title. A 2.75-mile, 15-turn uh, layout uh, in its current configuration that, that began in 1994. A lot of tight, heavy braking corners, couple of long straightaways. There's going to be a bunch of decent pa passing opportunities when you want to make an overtake entering a corner. Very excited racetrack to see on the platform. A few more things to touch upon as part of the build that came up into play. That includes the new auto fuel future feature. And for those wondering how that essentially works, it's essentially what many out of iRacing software pieces had done in the past. Calculated how much fuel you were burning and calculated how much fuel you need to get to the end. You could add a buffer lap total to make sure, etc. But it depends on how much fuel you're legitimately burning at the time of iRacing and you need to put in practice laps for it to get the proper data for the exact burn rate. It That's does, yes. Yeah, that actually is a good point that you mentioned. You need to put in the practice laps because uh, we actually, on uh, week 13, one of the leagues that I'm part of, the Coast to Coast Racing League, uh, we just had our uh, one of our Asphalt Assault uh, charity events. We did uh, had an end of the feature. We did a uh, Riley Daytona prototype race on the Daytona Oval, and we had to pit. Uh, this one guy had to pit and uh, try and he uses auto fuel. He actually came up two laps short by using the uh, auto fueling system. Now, this has been a this has been something that if you had a third-party app like Race Lab apps, you would be already have auto fueling. But now that it's in the iRacing platform, it's definitely going to help out a lot of drivers. Um, but the big risk, of course, that you got to keep in mind is if you're racing on an oval like you're racing NASCAR and it goes into overtime or a green-white checkered attempt, Got to make sure you have enough fuel to go the distance there. So don't trust the auto feeling too much. You can use it, but you may have to add a couple more gallons to your race car uh, to get it to the finish, just in case for overtime, if you know what I mean. And keep in mind, this is a feature that in every race right now, it's automatically turned on. So you yeah. need to make sure you have that checked if you want to use it or if you do not plan to use it. Again, it's available for... Any cars that require pit stops, that includes the NASCAR stock cars, the supercars, IMSA, as well as major active and classic sports car series on the platform, as well as just about almost every hour call on the service. Once again, keep an eye on that fuel. And one last major note, this was an accidental addition, Marty. <laughs> Remember how previously... The what is now the NASCAR's Arkham Menard series cars had been the nationwide 2009 cars. Well, for many years, they had turned that nationwide car into their version of the ARCA car until this past week. Because, Marty, now the options available again to run with the 750 plus horsepower that that car originally had by accident and because of user feedback they added a new series drivers can race at the full horsepower with keeping the mistake it's it's amazing to see and we know that back in the 2000s with the gen 4 the races were excellent there were so many pa passes that could be made 
under the green flag, uh, and you actually have to use the break a lot more compared to when we had the Gen 6 and the 550 high downforce package. Um, so I, I'm excited to try it out. I haven't done the ARCA car yet on, or the Gen 4 car yet on week 13. I have to try it out, though. Um, I may even try it on week number one of the season. I have heard as well that iRacing wants to try and get what is the current gen ARCA ride into mm. iRacing and try and retire that old Gen 4 ARCA specs and use the Gen 6 ARCA body. Well, that's the major thing. Yes. You're talking about a body that in ARCA has been used in 10 years. Here is the caveat on that. Again, most people use it more so for racing like it's the mid-2000 style because now with the increased horsepower, it drives essentially like the mid-2000s NASCAR Cup Series and what is now Xfinity Series racing style. Exactly. And um, I, I've taken a look at in the past when having fun with the ARCA car just by myself. I like to take a look at trading paints and see all of the AI collections and the AI collections and see what's available. And I see a lot of those 2000 paint schemes that uh, some of the car set uh, painters make. Like I see 2006, 2004, even 2003 from the Winston cup days. I think that's really cool. Um, there's a league that I used to, to uh, broadcast on Wednesday nights, the national sim racing league. With that announcement, they actually just started a uh, went. They actually just brought back another league that they used to have, and you have to run a cup a cup paint scheme from the 2000s before the 2007 2008 car of tomorrow days. So, I can't wait to see what iRacers use of this as a result. Um, that gen the Gen 4 series seems it's like it's going to be really popular amongst the bunch. Extremely popular, potentially. Again, you mentioned the series name. The Gen 4 series essentially is the new name for drivers to be able to race with the increased horsepower of what, for many years, had been the ARCA machinery. Going back to the days of the mid-2000s cars as a result of the updates in turn. Once again, that's in reference to the ARCA Menards Chevrolet Impella. I think one more thing I want to reference here. I'm a huge super speedway guy when it comes to iRacing. I, I would love to see how it drives with the increased horsepower, you know, with the ARCA ride we had. Um, we saw on super speedways, we saw like, you know, the roof, the roof spoiler and the wicker on the rear spoiler too, um, which gave all of the slingshots and the three wide, two wide action. I remember as well watching a Daytona 500 from 2004. And I remember watching Michael Waltrip's helmet cam. He was steering so much in the car and you even had to lift off the throttle entering the corners. I, I hope we see that because it would give you sort of that like 1980s like feeling too. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with some of the racing from back in the day. Once again, be sure to hit the racetrack when the iRacing official season start on Monday. That being, once again, the 13th of March to be able to start racing with the higher horsepower officially on the platform. We come back, lots of discussions to continue for the league side of things, according to the Precision Racing League, as well as the Lionheart competition. You're listening to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. 
Justin Prince, Marty Sakawa, Richard Colbreth with you as we continue to discuss what's been a busy time on the iRacing platform. Plenty of iRacing updates coming to the platform, but plenty of series in turn get themselves situated and ready for their next respective campaigns. That includes the Precision Racing League, which in turn gets itself geared up for new seasons coming off some very competitive championship campaigns throughout 2021 Season 1. One of those to consider, first things first, was the NASCAR Cup Series, as it's called, with their respective championships. In respect to that championship, many of its contenders are turning for a chance to be able to try and battle for the start of the year's season championship. Amongst the notables throughout that campaign this year, the champion, Matthew Long, picking up a majority of the wins, six victories, beating Abner Acosta by 42 points. Joshua Daniels, Chris Hudson, and Richard Regan Jr., the multiple-time champion, rounded up the top five of the point standings. Differential, 79 points. Turning things over to Piero in that Cup Series in turn, Matt Lawn now joins us. Matt, a strong campaign in the Precision Racing League this season. Congrats once again on the championship. Every race, you finish in the top ten. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a heck of a season. Um... And, you know, I, I didn't do it by myself. I've got an amazing team at Dirty South Racing. And when the Cup Series uh, announced they were switching from fixed to back to open, we hopped right back on it. Um, PRL is a special place in my heart. Uh, it was the first league I really started racing in on iRacing. And, um, yeah, when we went back open racing, we, we joined and hopped aboard. And um, we had been practicing and learning the next gen car for about a year so um you know we had a good year under our belt coming back into prl and um yeah kind of picked up where we left off and, and had a heck of a season indeed in regards to the discussion involving that in turn it was intriguing to say the very least how the season played out because a lot of your wins this season came from the high tire degradation racetracks amongst them you have the track at Rockingham, for example, once your first victory. How difficult was it to try and make sure you managed that tire wear since this is a car that has had a lot of tire degradation in the past and some of these circuits? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very thankful that I get to go against great drivers like Abner Acosta. Um, when I started racing, I wasn't the best at saving tires. I had to really learn. And I, I learned by measuring myself up against some of those great guys in the league. And, um, you know, I got pretty good at it. So between between the setup building and actually building a good car with good balance on the long runs and, and just, you know, knowing when to take it easy, pick really picking your spots with this car, you know, early in a run. Um, you know, I was able to get pretty good at the tire saving and, and actually beat Abner for once at it. So, um, you know, that was that was a big win. Now, when we go forward I, with the big tire model change, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to, you know, I'm hoping it takes away some of the, you know, the extreme saving we have to do over in the cup side early in runs and, and allows for, you know, the driver to really come through a little bit more, you know, in terms of not scrubbing tires, not sliding tires and all that. So it's going to be exciting definitely in turn expect to be an exciting season and you mentioned some of the work put in what are the major things you've noticed especially in turn for the upcoming season that you might have to pick up on on top and not just that but the tire properties for example you talked about were a part of the update 
Yeah. You know, I, I go back to my team. Um, we've, we've been working, we've got a, a, about five, six of us over at Dirty South Race, and we've been working pretty strong together for a while now. So, uh, honestly, this doesn't change much for us other than, you know, from a driver perspective, how do I, how do I change my driving to best match this tire? Um, but from a team perspective, from a car's perspective, you know, we, we approach every week the same way in terms of our testing process and, you know, building the car and everything. So, um, you know, from what I've seen, the tire is really not going to impact the actually set up building process a ton. So, um, you know, going forward, that, that's one of the strong suits I think I've got going for myself and it's just having such a strong team. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep moving like we've been these last 10 weeks. Definitely been an exciting time for you and your respective organization when it comes to the cup side. Again, lots of discussion when it comes to Matt Lawn. Also joining us amongst the conversation. Now we shift things over to the Xfinity side, but also the GT3s. Elliot White also joins us as part of the discussion. Elliot, you were amongst those who raced a lot of the stock cars this campaign as well. Your thoughts coming in after what was a very exciting time. Let's put it that way when it comes to the Xfinity side, first of all. Yeah, I really enjoy the Xfinity cars uh, when they when they started the the fixed Xfinity series. I thought I had to jump jump on it because I I've always felt like that's the uh, the most fun stock car for me since they made the change to the next gen. And like like Matt mentioned, I have to shout out Abner for making it a very fun season. I mean, I'm pretty close with him, so being able to race against him week to week was was really fun. Yeah, one of the races got the chance to call during the regular season, in, fa in fact, during the campaign, should say, was involving the tire saving with Rockingham, for example, and some of the other circuits. How tight was it, keep in mind, and how pressure-packed was knowing you had one of the closest championships in the PRL in a while, a one-point difference to win the championship. It came down to the final round and how in one spot to win the championship. Yeah, it was. I, I had an unfortunate uh, Daytona the week the week before. I felt like I had put myself in the right position up until uh, about 20 feet from the line, and then ended up being a point out uh, going into the last week. So, Auto Club was definitely more stressful than I was was hoping it was going to be. Uh, especially coming to the end of the race. I mean, I, I for some reason I was lost driving by myself, you know, it felt really good when I was following someone, I felt like I could gauge myself really well. But as soon as I was out front, I, I was kind of struggling with the, with the tire saving. Both of you and Acosta picking up three victories in the season. Sean Campbell at one point was a championship contender, but he missed a race in the closing stage of the season that put him a full race back in the end as well. Jeff T. Evans, Bradley Holly, the top five in the point standings for the reference marks. But the major thing in turn, as well in terms of the campaign, too, is quite a bit on that eNASCAR College iRacing Series experience, too, it seemed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially, well, Auto Club was one of the tracks. Auto Club um, definitely helped. The Charlotte Roval College race also helped for the, the road courses we did during the season. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get, I'm, I was not able to do the College uh, Series this semester, but hoping to get back to it maybe next semester if I can. Um, but that was definitely helpful. I mean, the guys in the college series are are the best of the best next out of outside of the Coke series and the contender series. So uh, being able to use that as a as a as a marker is, is great for the BRL. Shuffle things to the day before in terms of the calendar dates as well. 
You also, mind you, picked up the championship in the GT3 Sprint Series. 28 points between you and Sim City Racing Sean Dickinson. A very stellar campaign there, too. How tight was that battle from your driver's perspective, though? Because Sim City Racing seemed to be right on your heels just about every single round when they kept it clean. Yeah, they were definitely they were definitely working well as a team for sure. I could tell they were doing a lot of work behind the scenes together. Um, their pace was always right there with each other, and uh, they always had pretty good long run speed for the most part. Um, and I think we stacked up pretty well, uh, me against SimCity, because they were using Lambo. I was using the Audi. They drive somewhat similarly, um, so it it was always it was always tough to kind of judge what to do based on what they were doing because uh, I wouldn't know if they would find out some strategy that they had worked on together that I wasn't aware of myself, but uh, it was a great battle throughout the season as well. What was your favorite memory from your respective campaigns this year? Uh, it has to be, uh, has to be Road America. Um, finishing, finishing with like a, I, I think it was a 10,000, basically a photo finish at Road America with Sean Dickinson uh, last lap. That final corner pass was was definitely the highlight. Um, I mean, I, I got kind of benefited from him messing up, but it was still had to be the highlight for sure. It was great commentary as well. Well, it's going to be thrilling when you have a photo finish like that, to say the very least. And turning things turn as well to those also along with this, John Betafer picking up the championship in turn for the GT4 side. GT4 competition in the fixed cars seen baited for pick up the championship over his teammate justin ream by 23 points the alpine stars geodesic mclaren adam brockway abner costa and nicholas rice Pudo, the top five in that respective championship john congratulations on a championship to cap to the cabinet how was it battling your teammate for the championship in this season Hey guys, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Justin and I always have a lot of good battles. Uh, you know, just as teammates, we we know that we we have pace that's very very similar, and um, but we also know that we can race each other clean and fair. So it, it made the championship uh, battle uh, pretty fun. So talk us through the competition for you guys this season. Six combined victories for your team, four for yourself, and especially with the background of your organization. How was that working behind the scenes throughout this campaign of the PRL? Yeah, I would say for the most part, uh, we, we we worked on our own to you know work on our qualifying pace and, and race pace, um, and then you know once the race got going, we we would try and work together to you know to hold our positions and and develop a strategy for the end of the race. Uh, with the GT4 fixed series, it's a lot of fuel save for the first half, and then sort of a a short sprint to the finish and and usually after those pit stops it was you know every man for himself so um but yeah it's always fun to to kind of practice against guys that have really good pace it kind of lets you know where you're going to be when it comes to race time so that's always beneficial and an interesting thing was noted in terms of the gt4 machines curious on how your opinion is on this and as well as some of the other cars reduced drag in fact for your car in your respective class two how big of an impact was that, in your opinion, for the build? Um, I think the top speed uh, issue was it was helpful. Um, there were certain tracks where we we were just really bad in, in high speed corners, um, so that's kind of where the Mercedes had a lot of advantage. Uh, 
but we, we, definitely the McLaren. If you if you're able to get out in front of someone that was in a Mercedes, it was, you know, you could position your car pretty well. Um, as long as there wasn't a high speed corner before straight, um, chances are they weren't going to be able to get to you. But uh, overall, I think with the tracks that we visited, there was a lot of opportunities for each um, manufacturer to to get a a win or a podium. So uh, in the end, I think it was it was pretty fair battle between between us. So. For your respective group, a lot of momentum and a lot of star power. Not just once yourself, Miguel Vigo, I can also throw in that conversation too, as well as your teammate Reem. What's that focus going to be like in turn for the new campaigns coming up? Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, M- Miguel and myself are, and, and uh, Carlos actually are going to be in a different series, but I, I know Justin's planning to return. Um, not sure what car he's going to pick yet, but um, I know he's looking forward to the competition and having it switching to an open setup. Um, and I'm sure in the background we'll be able to help him uh, prepare for the races, even though we won't be uh, participating in them. But um, yeah, overall, I think you know PRL puts on a great league, and it, it's it was a fun battle with all the participants, not just my teammates. So, um, and I know Justin's really looking forward to to getting it going again. That's a perfect time to bring in the last those coming over from the PRL in this portion of the discussion. Jerome Pretzenyon now joins us here for the conversation for the iRacers download. Lots of updates in terms of how the series structures are going to play out, it seems, this campaign. Cup Series returns on Sunday, but you have the production card challenge on the Mondays. Some shuffling on how the series structure is for fixed versus open, it seems, for the Tuesdays. Lots to discuss. How would you describe the updates coming through? Yeah, we did the, we did a lot of change uh, for, for the next season. Um, and, you know, iRacing provided us uh, some new toys with the the Renault Clio and the Formula 1600. So we decided to introduce them into our lineup. Uh, when we, um, last season, when we decided to switch the MX-5 to the GR86, uh, we had some MX-5 fan that uh, requested to, to bring it back. So that's why we decided to, to, to follow the production car challenge series. And and we are fortunate enough that iRacing decided to put the Renault Clio into it. So. Uh, that was a very uh, a very good call from them, and G- GT4. Uh, I we all we all saw the the show. That the the main reason why we decided to switch from fixed to to uh, to open setup, the strength of field was very very high uh, for the past season with John with the geodesics crew and and uh, other fast drivers. So it, it's uh, it was just a, a normal move for us to to jump that series to an open setup because more and more season after season becomes uh, one of our premier series, uh, uh, providing a lot of uh, excitement and really high competitive racing. So yeah, uh, um, apart from that, it's pretty much uh, the, the same setup. Um, GT3 Sprint, we have increased the, the minimum I rating because yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's the the most competitive series that, that we have. So uh, it was just normal to, to just put uh, ISI rating within the series. Regards to that I rating total, that's now a minimum of 2,000 regard in the GT3 Sprint respectively as well when it comes to the new campaigns as well. Also amongst those new respective campaigns coming up, a change for the first time in a while for Open Wheel Thursdays because we talked a little bit about the... The FF600 or 1600, essentially, that's the car that Max Esterson runs in GB3 competition, for example. That car, 
Now takes the slot for the start of the opening with Thursdays. Pinning on that shuffle over now from the IRL 4 to the newest toy on the block. Yeah, we can't wait to, to get this uh, started. Uh, I've heard, uh, I, I have not tried myself uh, the car, but I've heard a lot of good uh, feedback from, from the car. And, you know, th these, uh, these slow open wheel car uh, tend to provide very, very exciting racing. And we can see that in different series running the Skip Barber or the Formula V. So we, uh, we are pretty excited for the Formula uh, 1600. So uh, we think it's going to provide very, uh, very hard competition. And we have also following that the F3, uh, F3, which usually, and it, we have a rule in place uh, where we're going to split the, the, the field into pro and amateur. So I'm, I'm expecting the same. For, uh, for the next season in F3, we're going to have a group of pro driver and a group of amateur driver. Uh, they are providing a fantastic show. This car is fast. It's providing a lot of overtake. Uh, so we, we can't wait to, to get the new season started. Should be an exciting campaign to say the very least. And this is all while in the closing stages of last season as well, to touch upon a little bit, PRL actually unveiled a new partnership with Moradness the personal lifestyle brand that Daniel Morad has as well, that promoted throughout the closing stages of the race and campaigns. How would you describe that partnership in turn and its growth throughout the PRL now since that deal started February 16th? Yeah, we're very excited to, to work with uh, with Daniel Morad. Uh, uh, first thing I would say, what a nice guy. Uh, when when I was able to, to, to speak with him to talk about the partnership, it was supposed to just be a, a small call to discuss about the, the the parameters of the of the partnership, but I think we ended up talking for forty five minutes just sim race sim racing related. He's so cool, and just the fact that he's supporting communities like that that's amazing. Uh, he's providing very great product. Uh, I think uh, the, it's you can see the review on, online. The, he's providing one of the best gloves and socks. So uh, we are very excited to work with him. Uh, that company is growing. So so fast, so we are very excited to be part of, uh, of that story. What else are you looking forward to for the new campaigns coming up, especially with them coming right around the corner in the next week or two? Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a fun season again. Uh, uh, we, we can see it in the same. GT3 is going to be, uh, again, a show to watch. Uh, the Cup Series as well. Uh, and, and in fact, just to see Matt being able to to beat Abner, to see a new winner in the Cup Series, that's going to be fantastic to see that uh, going uh, along the year. Um, and I can't wait also to see for the production uh, car challenge, to see three different categories racing together. Uh, that's going to be very, very exciting as well. Going to be an exciting campaign when it comes to Precision Racing League. Once again, I thank everyone for the time for the Precision Racing League. Matt Lawn, John Bedifer, Elliot White, Jerome Bertram Young now joining us. Once again, finishing up here with PRL. Once again, thank you all for the time. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Once again, all of them from the Precision Racing League. Three of them champions, one of the main organizers for the Precision Racing League, their competitions. To learn more and learn how you can see if you can have the chance to join in, go to precisionracingleague.com to be able to register for one of the championships. But the season's coming right around the corner. Spots are closing in quick. Be sure to join in. On one final note, turn things over quickly to Lionheart competition of note. Their respective side of the card is starting to pick things up. 
Keep in mind, this is the series that's seen open competition previously since 2014. They started off their competitions with their open wheel series of note with 37 entries this past week at the virtual Homestead Miami Speedway. Jacob Ulster picked up the victory over Robert Wunschka III by 1.7 seconds with Bill Krauts not able to build a victory lane at the track yet. Jason Brophy and Lex Newsom, the top five. Notables who competed to start off the new season, Hamilton Okabawezi, Dustin Wardlow, as well as several others. Joshua Tucker can throw in as well with Velocity Online Racing, making a team debut. To learn more about Lionheart Racing Series and their respective competitions, including the Lotus 79s with the Classic Cars and the Retro Series coming up in the next month, or whether it's the new sports car series that has a lot of momentum coming up for it, especially with some of the new partnerships that have been unveiled over the past few weeks. Go to LionheartRacingSeries.com. A lot of excitement, especially with the partnerships for their first foray into road course and racing as well. On that note, it's time to say goodbye. For my co-host today, Marty Sakawa, for our producer Richard Colbreth, I'm Justin Brent saying so long. For the rest of your day or evening, you've been listening to the iRacers Down Low, Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my Race Pass. <laughs>